that would be probably the first mistake that a lot of people make is they say that they need help. So they just run out and hire typically like a virtual assistant. And sometimes that is what you need, but sometimes it's not right. So your VA is going to be a, a really good doer, right? You give them the direction, you give them the task, and they're going to be able to do that for you. However, we should not be relying on our virtual assistants to help us with strategy. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 125 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet Tatiana O'Hara. She's an agency and team operations coach who helps CEOs combine the structure of the corporate world with the flexibility of entrepreneurship. If you're tired of being the superwoman who does it all in your business, listen up. During our conversation, Tatiana lets us know how to tell when we're ready to hire. She also defines the team members we can hire in the online business space and walks us through how to create an effective job posting to attract the right talent. We also talked about how to onboard new team members so they don't go running for the hills. Before we hear the rest of Tatiana's episode, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so amazing stories like Tatiana's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. The She's Offscript podcast also has a membership community to help you launch and grow your business with resources and coaching. Join our Boss Offscript community today by going to sewaajpele.com forward slash community. With that, let's go off script with agency and team operations coach Tatiana O'Hara. Tatiana O'Hara, welcome to She's Offscript. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So for any of our listeners who haven't come across you before, could you share who you are and what you do? Yes, absolutely. So like you said, my name is Tatiana O'Hara and I'm an agency and team operations coach. And so basically what that means is I work with six figure and even approaching seven figure entrepreneurs to help them really begin to build out their team in a way that is going to support their overall vision, right? Refining kind of what the inside of the business looks like, refining your offers, making everything as scalable and sustainable as possible. That way, when you bring your team in, they're extremely effective and efficient. They're not really stepping on top of each other. You know, nobody's, you know, doing, you don't have three people doing the same role. So really just refining what the inside of the business looks like to support the growth. Because I find that a lot of people, you know, we focus on sales and marketing and making more money, but there's not a whole lot of focus around, okay, but how do I sustain this? So that's, that's where I come into play. That's what I do. Nice. So how did you get to the point where you're now helping teams and agencies scale? Yeah. So right after college, well, I studied operations in college. And then right after I went into corporate as a district manager for a popular grocery chain, did that for a little under five years. And so essentially I was responsible for the overall operations of five very high sales volume stores in the Metro Atlanta area. And so I I didn't have an office that I went into every day. You know, I was in my stores every single day. I'm on rotation going to different stores and I had to essentially 
really make sure that they were hitting their KPIs, that the stores looked good, customers were happy, you know, the the employees were happy, so on and so forth. And when I initially came in, you know, things were kind of a mess, right? My managers were working 15, 16 hour days. The staff was overworked. The stores looked terrible. We weren't hitting our metrics. And so I really had to put on my leadership hat and figure out what's the problem? How can I fix this? And so long story short, over the course of about four years, I had to teach my managers how to become better leaders and to optimize their team so that the team could do their job. I could do my job. My managers could do their job. And ultimately, like we started to see explosive growth, right? Sales volume was up like 20%. We reduced turnover by about 30%. Employees were happier. Managers were able to go home and be with their families at the end of their shift. And so doing that while also being online, you know, at the time I was just kind of like business coach, right? Like I'm going to help you start a business. But I started to realize that the same things my managers were struggling with, online entrepreneurs needed that too. Because in corporate, we have all this structure and we hate it, right? We think structure is terrible, but then we get into entrepreneurship and it's the complete opposite. And so I'm kind of bringing that structure from corporate into entrepreneurship, so to speak. Nice. And really what you were describing as the before state of your managers is what a lot of entrepreneurs are doing today. Some of us start out as solopreneurs and you're burning the midnight oil and you're doing it all and not realizing that what you're doing is stunting your growth. So today I really want to delve into how we can see that transformation for ourselves by hiring the right people to help us grow. So first and foremost, how do we know when we're ready to make our first hire? So a couple different ways that you can kind of diagnose this. So the first thing I want to say that I don't think enough people talk about is that you need to be at a point in your business where you're making consistent revenue. If you are just starting out in business and you make maybe 500 one month, nothing the next month, $1,000 the next month, and it's kind of up and down, your primary focus right now should be creating a sales system that works and getting a consistent influx of clients, right? Once you've established that consistent revenue, honestly, it's whenever you want to hire, right? Whenever you decide that you want help so that you can step away from a specific part of the business. But there are two ways to know if you should have hired like months ago, right? Like if this is a problem that you know probably should have already been corrected. So one way is that you're approaching burnout right? You are working endless hours. You feel like, you know, there's just not enough hours in the day. You find yourself doing a lot of the tasks that you're not good at and it's slowing you down. That's one way you can tell, like, it's time to insert other experts on your team that can take some of those things off of your plate. The second way is that maybe you're approaching some sort of ceiling in your business. So if you are, as I call it, the waitlist queen, right? You're throwing everyone on a waitlist to work with you because you've reached your capacity, then it's definitely time to hire because at this point you are unable to scale, right? You can't get past $5,000 a month because you can't take on more than that amount of clients. And so we need to begin to bring people on our team to either help us with client fulfillment or maybe take some of the admin work off of our plate so that we can increase our capacity to serve more people. So I would say those are two of the ways you can kind of know that you may be a little bit behind the curve a little bit. But like I said, as long as you're making that consistent revenue and you're at a point where you're ready to you know, kind of stop trading time for money, then you can go ahead and make that proactive decision to bring someone onto your team. I also feel like the online business world has a lot of players. So maybe you can break down the differences between all these players. For example, what's a VA and what should we expect them to do for us or versus an OBM versus a coach or maybe any other team members that your clients tend to hire? Yeah, that that's honestly a really good question and point because 
that would be probably the first mistake that a lot of people make is they say that they need help. So they just run out and hire typically like a virtual assistant. And sometimes that is what you need, but sometimes it's not right. So your VA is going to be a, a really good doer, right? You give them the direction, you give them the task, and they're going to be able to do that for you. However, we should not be relying on our virtual assistants to help us with strategy, right? That is a kind of higher level thing. Not to say that your VA is not capable of doing strategy, but it's kind of unfair for us to expect that of them, right? Especially if that hadn't been outlined in the agreement. And so that's when you're looking at more higher level leadership, right? So maybe that's like an operations manager, a project manager, maybe sometimes an OBM, which not everyone needs that, but someone who can do more of the higher level things. And so these three roles, ideally, you as the CEO, you create create this strategy and they can help you with refining the strategy. They can help you with creating that implementation plan and then going out and delegating to the rest of your team and just overseeing the project as a whole, right? So for example, like a launch, a project manager would be a really good person to have on your team to oversee the details of your launch to ensure things are happening the way that they should. Then of course you have like marketing assistants. So maybe like a social media manager who can help you with engagement on your social channels, creating content, doing hashtag research, and just kind of staying abreast to like all of the good trends, like as far as reels and TikTok goes. And then if you run some sort of agency style business, client fulfillment assistants are very popular. Now you might not call them that, Maybe you'll call them like an account manager or something like that. But let's say you run a social media management agency and you want to be able to take on more clients. Maybe what that would look like for you is having additional client fulfillment assistants who can take on some of those clients for you. So maybe every person on your client fulfillment team can be responsible for four to five clients and they manage their own clients. So I would say those are like, what was that for? So the, the virtual assistant, some sort of leadership operations, social media and client fulfillment, I would say those are probably like the most common ones that I see. But I will say sometimes you'll have people on your team or need to hire someone, but it doesn't have to be like a long term thing, right? Maybe you hire someone for a one time project to come help you clean up your back end systems, or to help you refine your client experience or to help you launch a podcast, but you don't always have to have these people on your team, you know, long term. Mm. See, I think we really needed that lay of the land because people oftentimes will hire the wrong person. They will hire yes. a coach, hoping that the coach is going to help them with implementation, whereas the coach is there to help them answer questions for themselves. They're there to give you tools, right? right? Mm -hmm. So that's a good first step. Absolutely. And also, I would say, like, having a coach. I didn't even like really touch on that, but that's kind of like the highest level strategy person you can have on your team, so to speak, because they're going to see the things that you don't. They're kind of like three steps ahead of you. Right. And so you work with a coach, you get really good direction and just overall like yeah, just direction. Right. And then you can bring that back to your team, refine it based on what you guys have going on and then go out and implement, you know, as you see fit. So yeah, I think having a coach on your team is probably one of the most impactful things that you can do as an entrepreneur, because we always need to be in, in learning mode, right? Mm -hmm. And earlier you mentioned a couple ways we can know if we've waited too long to hire. I think I've also heard you say that people hire you when they feel like their teams aren't functioning as they should. They're a little bit dysfunctional. So mm -hmm. help us get ahead of that curve. How do you set up your team to run smoothly once you start to onboard people? Right. Yeah. So most of that work starts before you even hire the person. So if you work with me, essentially, like 
hiring is not until like 60% through our process together because a lot of the work starts up front, right? So first we need to be really clear on the vision that you have for your business in your life. And I don't mean that in like a super like lofty, oh, this is cute. Let's make a vision board. I mean, like, let's get down to the logistics of what this thing looks like. Right. And I say that because if you know that you want to make $50,000 per month, and you know your package costs this much per month, you know you can only take on this many clients, that can help us calculate, well, how many people do you need on your team in order to make 50K months happen, right? So first, getting clear on that vision. Next, getting clear on your offerings and making them as scalable as possible. A lot of us want to hire help because we're overwhelmed, but the reason why we're overwhelmed is because we don't have boundaries with our clients, right? We allow them to send us Voxer messages all hours of the night and we're trying to reply to them, or you know, we have no structure for the way that we have calls with our clients. So sometimes they run one hour, sometimes they run three. And so you think you need a team to help you, but in reality, you need to create structure at the ground level. And so we spend a lot of time refining those offers and making them as scalable as possible. Can I, can I ask you at that point, do you find that you get pushback from the people you're working with? Cause they're like, nah, let's get straight to the point. I came here to, you know, for help to hire people. Do you right. get pushback when it comes to working on the groundwork? So I think when I first started, I did, but it was just like a lack of understanding. Like what I do, honestly, I feel is, is very unique because there are going to be people that help you hire and help you lead your team. There's going to be systems people, but there's no one that's really kind of bringing it all together. But I find now that people, they trust my process because they've seen it. You know, they've seen that it works for other people. And a lot of times when people come to me, they're just so ready for this thing to feel good again. They're just ready for business to work that they're like, I trust you. Like whatever we have to do, let's just do it. So yeah, I, I definitely think that that was something that kind of grew over time. But once we really like refine your offers, then it becomes clearer who you need on your team in order to make that happen and exactly what they're responsible for. Because now that we've refined your offers, we can go through the step-by-step -step process of how you make your business happen. And we can figure out and make sure that every step of the process is delegated to a warm body, not just relying on some automation, but even if it's, you know, even if we have this thing going through an automation, who manages the automation, right? And so that is how you can be proactive, right? Is doing that work first and making sure that you are extremely clear on exactly what they should be doing, because that is where the friction comes from. It's, it's never really that my clients don't know how to lead their teams or that they're struggling with like the, the soft skills. It's more so they don't have the structure in place. So there's a lot of tension and now they don't know how to deal with the friction. But if the, if the structure was there, there wouldn't be that tension. I'm not sure if that like, no, absolutely makes, makes sense. sense but then I feel like you need to maintain the structure that, or they right. will need to maintain the structure that you brought in. So what would you recommend as far as ongoing maintenance? Because Sometimes your business grows, you add on new processes, you add on new products, and then you find that there's scope creep on the set of responsibilities that individuals on your team have. So how do we manage that? So when it comes to kind of maintaining the structure that you've created within your business, it's all about one, establishing that boundary, but enforcing the boundary. So creating some SOPs or processes around how you handle scope creep. One, it allows you to not feel fearful when you have to handle that because you have a set process for how to do it. But then also people on your team can help you with that. Right. And so what that can look like is I'll give you an example. I'm in a program right now where the support is through the Facebook group 
group. And if you have a question, you have to submit it the night before the calls by midnight in order to have your question answered, right? And so one time I sent a DM to the particular coach that runs this program, and I got a message back from her team saying, hey, Tatiana, thank you so much for, for reaching out. If you don't mind, will you just submit this question on your form? That way your coach can really answer it to the best of her ability. And I respected that so much because that was me, you know, not trying to, but that was me scope creeping, but they have a set process for how they handle that. So I think if we can create processes around that and get comfortable enforcing those things, it honestly elevates the respect that our clients will have for us. But it's not just about scope creep with our clients. It's also with our team as well, right? We have to make sure that we respect and honor their boundaries, especially when you have contractors on your team, and then they have to respect and honor our boundaries. And ways that we can do that is clearly communicating that throughout the onboarding process and walking the walk, right? A lot of times we will cross our own boundaries and that invites the other person on the other end to then cross that boundary right back. So as long as we honor the boundary and we have a process for how we're going to communicate when the boundary has not been honored, a lot of times it's much easier than you think to kind of manage that. Now, don't get me wrong. You're going to have clients that are just straight up, you know, disrespectful, right? They don't care. They think the world revolves around them, but then that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You can decide to let clients go, right? If people are not respectful of the boundaries that you've created, then you can kind of make decisions from there. Absolutely. Now you said something else that is a buzzword when it comes to building a team, which is onboarding. And even in the corporate space, a lot of big corporations do not have a handle on this. So how would you recommend entrepreneurs or small business owners prep themselves and create an onboarding process that's not going to increase the turnover rate that they have with their contractors and new team members? Yes. So onboarding is actually where we lose most people, right? Because we have created this beautiful job description. We've had this great interview process and we have like pitched ourselves to just be this phenomenal company that's so together. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they get in and they're like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) This is not what you told me. So first I would recommend being upfront in the interview process. When I hired my virtual assistant, when I put out my job description at the top, I always put like a little about me section and like relevant information to the specific role. And so I said that, you know, I'm currently in Asana, but it's kind of all over the place and I wanted to move to ClickUp. I said that I'm in the middle or I'm planning for a launch in the next couple of months. And I said a couple other things. I even told them that like by nature, I'm a little bit scatterbrained, but I have the direction. Sometimes it's just kind of hard to get it out. Right. And so by doing even something as small as that, it sets the expectation and it allows everyone who's applying to decide, do I want to work with that? Is that, is that something I can work through right now? Do I want to migrate a client from Asana to ClickUp? Do I want to work with someone who sometimes struggles to articulate what she's trying to say, right? So that would be step one is like having an honest and transparent hiring process. But then when you get to the onboarding phase, there's just a lot of information you want to gather, right? You want to know exactly how communication is going to work on your team and give them that information. We communicate through Slack, you know, Asana, whatever, right? You want to be really clear on your core values and share that with them during the onboarding process. It's also going to be intertwined throughout your hiring process as well, because you want to make sure that whoever you're hiring is in alignment with those core values, but sharing them with them again, why they're important to you, 
so on and so forth. And then giving them access to everything that they're going to need. This is like one of the smallest details that people mess up on, right? It's like, if you're hiring, let's say a social media person, they're probably going to need access to your Instagram to click up so that they can plan out your content to whatever like hashtag research thing that you use, maybe to Canva so that they can create graphics. Let's stop hiring people and then making them send us emails like, oh, hey, Tatiana, can you send me access to this? Have all of this stuff ready for them on day one, right? And then the second piece of that would be just overall communication. So onboarding should be an experience. It should feel, you know, very welcoming. This is essentially their introduction to our company, to our team. And so if you want to get them a gift, get them a gift, have that ready for them, right? Spend time on the onboarding, not just talking about your company and your goals, but what are their goals as you know, as a a human being, what are their goals and how are you as the CEO going to help them reach those goals? Because we want to start pouring into them, you know, from the very beginning. And then I would say like kind of communicating what training is going to look like. What can they expect their first couple of weeks with you? What are the big projects that we're going to tackle immediately? What are the benchmarks for their success? If you've created KPIs for your team, which I highly recommend, share those with them up front, right? Don't wait until they're falling behind on a KPI to share, hey, well, this is a metric I've been using to measure your success in the back end. No, like share that up front. Hey, you're the social media manager. So ultimately the the goal that we're hoping that you can achieve while working in this role is to improve our overall reach on social media. We want to improve our reach. And so therefore every week when we sit down to chat, we're going to review the reach and how it's grown or um, regressed in the last week. Giving them this information up front it honestly speaks to culture too, because it allows them to buy into not just the company, but now they have a piece of the pie that they're responsible for and they can take ownership over that part of their role. So I know that was a lot, but onboarding is a lot, right? And and, and it takes, it's more than just that one meeting, right? It's the first several weeks that they're going to be with you. But as long as you cover those details and really just, like I said, focus on making it a human experience, right? Like making them feel welcomed, it's going to blow them away way. Something as simple as having an onboarding packet. My VA was like, no one has ever given me this. Typically the first meeting is just like a, a, a to-do list. So just it's something as simple as like, these are my core values. Like people online, unfortunately aren't doing this. I and mean, that can really set your company apart. Oh, I love that. Because as I said, even fortune 500 companies may not have this down. And if right. you transition from the corporate space, you're thinking, ooh, free flow, I can just do it however I want. But no, if you're going to be working with people on your team, you still will need that structure in place in order to be successful. Absolutely. So I think we, we skipped a step, though. You talked about how transparent you were in the job posting process. So right. could you speak a little bit more to putting together a job description that is going to attract the right types of people? And then where do we go to find the the candidates, like the VAs and OBMs? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I love the hiring process. (laughs) I love it very, very much because there are, there's so much discovery that happens in this process, even just about yourself, right? You get really clear on what you need. And I think just knowing that 
sets you apart because a lot of us um, that are hiring online, we don't know what we need. We just know we need something, right? So if you follow all the steps we discussed prior of like really getting clear on your offers and then getting clear on the type of support that you need, ideally you already kind of have like a brain dump of everything they're going to be, they're going to be responsible for. So when creating that job description, I recommend kind of breaking it up into buckets of responsibility. So if you know that they're responsible, if you want them to do these 50 things, like divide it up and see like, what are the commonalities? So for example, for my uh, virtual assistant that I hired, the four kind of buckets or area of areas of responsibility that she had were general administrative work, assisting me with launches, managing my Facebook community and PR. But we actually ended up taking PR off and hiring someone separate for that. And so in my job description, I can clearly lay out in these three bold points, you'll be responsible for the following things general administration, launch assisting or project management, and Facebook group management. And so then under those buckets, I can then pour out the many tasks that are included in those three things. But what that does is it gives them, even just from a visual perspective, when you're reading it, it's so clear, like, oh, these are the three main things that I'm going to be doing when I work with Tatiana versus giving them this super long bullet point list of a bunch of random things, because then it looks like you just want them to be a catch-all. Right. And so that's one part of the job description. You also want to have like a little bit about you, about your company. I just like to share relevant information about me, like I said earlier. And then I like to include like some nice to haves, right? Like you don't have to have these things, but if you do added bonus, like I think for me, I said, like, if you've worked in corporate before, that's a bonus. If you've worked with teams before, that's a bonus. If you understand how to use ClickUp, because that was something that I wanted to get into, like that's a bonus, but just kind of being really clear in the job description about exactly what they can expect when they come on board and work with you, that would then lead to the application. So maybe at the bottom of this job description page, you have a button to the application. So they fill out the application based on whatever questions you wanted to ask them. I recommend of course, just like an even mix. So some operations questions, like tell me about your experience with this. Tell me about your experience with that. But then also maybe you want to ask some more like interpersonal questions, like tell me how you best work in a team or whatever the case is. I also like to ask a question geared around like your favorite personality assessment. So for me, I love to use the Enneagram, but I know some people will use like human design or Myers-Briggs or something of that nature. This isn't to exclude anyone or to disqualify anyone, but it gives you a little bit of a further insight insight into the candidates that you're looking at. And you can kind of understand them from that level too. Then you, I mean, of course we're like just super condensing this right now, but then you want to post the job description wherever your ideal team member is hanging out. Right? So if you're looking for, you know, let's say a Facebook ads manager, then some obvious places that you would look for a Facebook ads manager would be Facebook, maybe Instagram, maybe LinkedIn, maybe indeed that kind of thing. But we want to post the job description where the most relevant people are kind of hanging out. Facebook groups can be a great place, but I know a lot of us that, you know, maybe we're looking for full-time help. We don't necessarily want to hire within the circle of entrepreneurship. And so then you can kind of branch out, right? And go to some of the more traditional job sites. And then there's a lot of like staffing services where you can kind of pay a fee to host your job description there and kind of get candidates in that way. So yeah, that's kind of how I would create the job description, the application, and then lead that into posting it in the most relevant place for the person that you're looking for. So it takes a lot to make the jump from I'm doing everything by myself 
to now allowing myself to release the reins to someone else. So talk to me about the mindset shift that a lot of your clients need to go through in order to really successfully use your services. A couple of things. So the first one I think would just be the mindset shift of I can't do it all and I'm actually not supposed to. Like I think, especially when you you start a business online, we think that the amount of work that we put in equates to our worth, equates to our, our success, equates to how much money we can make. But it actually is not true at all, right? Like, yes, you do have to work hard. You have to have a good work ethic. But I think sometimes that that, you know, wording, that verbiage can be kind of toxic because it almost implies that we have to do it all by ourselves. Yes, you have to work hard, but you can work hard with people alongside you, right? So I think that would be the first shift is like being willing to admit that I can't do this on my own and I'm actually stronger for it. Like I'm, I'm stronger because I admit that I can't do it on my own. Another mindset shift would be instead of looking at like hires as an expense, looking at it as an investment, right? When you hire someone, ideally, if you've hired the right person, they're going to buy you back some time. They're going to buy you back time that you can then go out and use to make more money for the business, right? To secure more revenue, secure more funds, or maybe they're going to put you in a position to make more money, right? Maybe you've hired a salesperson who's bringing more revenue into the company. So it's an investment. I spend a little under a thousand dollars per month on my assistant, like based on the amount of hours that she works. And I like, I don't bat an eye at that invoice. I pay it immediately after she sends it because the work that she does puts me in a position to be able to make 20 times that much. Right. And not only the time that you're going to get back, but you also have to realize the mental clarity that you're going to get back, the sanity that you're going to get back. Right. So I think those are two of the biggest shifts. And then the third one would just be like, well, no one can do it better than I can. And I think a lot of times it's like an ego thing. And it's also, you know, we hear our clients raving about us. And so we think we're the secret sauce. We think it's us. And that may be somewhat true, but you have to shift your mindset into realizing that it's your process that gets people results. I use my, the name of my framework is the recover method. The recover method is what gets people results. The recover method is what helps people escape grind mode. It helps them build an effective and efficient team. I just happen to be the person that's delivering it. And so when my company gets to a point where I need help with delivering that, I'm confident that as long as I hire the right person, my clients are still going to get the same result because the magic is in the process, not in, in me. Right. So yeah, I think those are like three of the biggest mindset shifts that my clients have to make. They're all very big mindset shifts though. And it it takes a lot of work and it's not an overnight thing and you have to maintain it. But yeah, it's like, it's a necessary thing. It's just like, these are the things that are holding you back from getting to that next level. So now in listening to everything, I'm sure there are people who think I need you, Tatiana. So how can we, how can we find you and how can we work with you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at underscore Tatiana O'Hara. I hang out there way too often. And then if you would like to work with me, you can do so through my program, Grindaholics Anonymous. So it is essentially a six month rehab program for entrepreneurs who are looking to escape the grind, right? They're ready to build an efficient and an effective team. Maybe you already have a team, but it's not efficient and effective. And so we will spend six months together, really going from A to Z, everything that we talked about here 
today to ensure that your business is not only set up to build a team, but to be sustainable and scalable over time. And you can apply for Grindaholics Anonymous at grindaholicsanonymous.com. You can also just check out the link in my bio. And when you apply, if you're approved, I'll also send you access to a free training um, that's private only for accepted applicants that you can kind of watch in your own time. But yeah, I would I would love to to work with you guys that are listening. So definitely reach out and we can even just connect in the DMs and, and chat it up. Oh, I love that. Because for a lot of our listeners, this probably is going to be the year where they go from being superwoman and trying to do it all to actually right. setting up their team to scale. So I really appreciate you dropping all of your knowledge on us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com. See you on the next one.